Hey everyone, Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today we'll explore overcoming challenges to achieve your personal goals. Here to help us do that is financial speaker and author Vicki Woucher. At first you might think, why is this finance discussion relevant? It's extremely relevant. Health is holistic and your financial health and what you do is just as important as your physical health, as your mental health, as your intellectual health. All of these things combine to help you be successful. Challenges with finance affect you physically, for example. They affect you biologically. They affect your habits. So we are going to have a discussion about different challenges that people go through and how to overcome them in order to be successful at whatever you decide to do in life. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others, as well as our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform for new content as it becomes available. Please also check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some free resources as you begin your health journey. Vicki Woucher, welcome to Food Experience Unplugged. Hello, Michelle. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's great to have you here today as we talk about financial health and how it's holistic and how it's tied to other aspects of your health, physical, mental, other aspects. And we are so grateful that you have really made great strides in, in your financial health as well as your physical health. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, I think that we forget that the two are interlinked. And because we are such a, I don't know, money-driven, commercial, economic society now, Back in the old days, you know, you had to grow your food in order to eat your food. And if you had surplus, then you traded it. And so you really were very much focused on your food. And there was a lot of things that people knew in the old days about you plant certain foods with certain foods and, and eating, eating much more nutritional stuff than we have now because it was fresh from the ground. I've become this lockdown gardener. I'm, I'm so hooked on my veggie patch. It's not true. <laughs> so, you know, I've planted my tomatoes and my carrots together because apparently they complement one another. And I've put garlic in with my strawberries because they complement one another and onions in with my tomatoes because they complement one another. So there's lots that we've forgotten in our pursuit driven by media and society and our pursuit for money. We've forgotten all of the things that are actually really important to this physical thing that we occupy our bodies without which no amount of money makes any difference. So I, I find that a really sort of fascinating point of debate, really. Excellent. Yes, that's so true. I mean, what you're, you could have all the money in the world, but, but have poor health and it, it wouldn't really make a difference. So. No. <laughs> and and you, you touched on that. I mean, you know, I've, I've been through um, basically in the 2015 to 2017 period, started to get early onset arthritis. Um, and that's sort of the wearing away of the bones. So normally it affects much older people, 70 plus, and I'm a lot younger than 70 plus, but 70 plus is, and it's just normal wear and tear, your bits wear away, but mine wore away much earlier. Um, and part of that is because I'm hypermobile and genetics and everything. And I've ended up having to have my hips replaced and my shoulders repaired because they all just wore away so badly. But it was a real wake up call about 
at the, you know, November, December 2017, I was getting to the stage where I couldn't walk to the shops, not walk to the shops like it's a long way, but walk around the shops even to buy my shopping at the week, uh, you know, the weekend or anything like that. It started to affect my business in that I couldn't sit in the car for a long time. Well, I could sit in the car, but I couldn't get out the car after I'd sat in the car for a long while. So we've had to change the car. I couldn't sit on a sofa. I had to bring a chair from the dining room and put it next to the sofa and then sit on a dining room chair if I wanted to watch the television or be with my partner was sitting on the sofa I couldn't join him on the sofa because the whole hip to knee ratio was just so unbearably painful and not being able to sleep and then all the creativity went and it's mm. just it's not a little thing arthritis but it is in, in the grand scheme of the, the whole world and the cosmos a little thing that I have can I have such a, a life-altering effect that you know managing Everything. So now, oh, I've got to. I've got to manage my health. I've got to pay attention to my health. So I need to watch what I eat. I need to exercise. I need to do this. Well, hold on a second. How do I fit that in when I've also got to run a business and then I've got to live a life and I need to be a partner and I need to be a, a mother and a grandmother and a sister and a you know, there's so much pressure on us. It's about finding a way that each of us can carve out a groove that allows us to prioritize everything, which is an oxymoron in itself, isn't it? So. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Now, just backing up for, for a moment, will you take a minute and introduce yourself and what brought you to this point? Why why the focus on, on financial? You've written many, many books on, on different aspects of, of finance and financial health. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. I think the easiest thing to say is that um, there was a point in my life where my marriage had broken up and I had to turn to um, government for government support. So I didn't have any way to create an income for myself. I had been at the time um, the mother of um, two children under three, so I wasn't working. And um, Where we lived and challenges with the marriage and everything meant I wasn't working. So when that moment happened and I, and I stepped out of my marriage, I stepped out of my marriage with sort of nothing, just what we could fit in the car. And I, I know that a lot of people can sort of, empathize with some of those struggles and there are lots of people out there both in your country and mine that live in their cars so the fact that I had a car that I could fill with stuff to go somewhere else was you know a much better position than a lot of people find themselves in but I feel that the thing that drove me forward was the two little girls my two daughters um I'd made this decision to to end the marriage which isn't an easy thing to do but I weighed up the pros and the cons of staying in a marriage where I wasn't a role model that I wanted my girls to aspire to as a woman, as a mother. Um, I wasn't happy. It wasn't a happy marriage and I wasn't sure that I would maybe, sounds a bit dramatic, but even sort of survive the marriage. So I knew that I had to go. But in doing that, I knew I was also denying my children their father. So if I was going to deny them their father, then what I was going to create on the other side had to make up for that. Not that you can make up for a father, but I had to make sure that if I was going to make this decision, which was about me as a human being, probably more than them as children at that point, but me as a human being becoming and living the life as the woman that I needed to be in order to be their mother, having made that decision, I then needed to make sure that that life I was going to provide them with was worth it. And that's not about lavishing them with I don't know lots of gifts and spending loads of money and having a big house or any of that it was about creating um more like a lifestyle than a life a lifestyle that was full of quality time together um 
love, opportunity, experiences, adventures, fun, but also me myself being someone that they could be proud of to have as a mother. And that was all very loose, very unconscious at the time. And it's only something that I can, with hindsight, go back and go, yeah, actually, that's what I was thinking. And that meant I needed to get in control of money. Um, I needed to eventually move myself to a position where I could take on work. I had to find a home for us to live in. And that determination, that maternal instincts kicked in. And I believe that it was the maternal instinct kicked in to make me, to give me the energy to follow through on the determination to create the life that was better than the life we had. Wow, that that is incredible. I love how you're, so it was just that mindset, that real desire to to give your children what they needed and to give them them a quality life that that really drove you you think yeah I do I think that well this might be a bit judgmental but I think as human beings we're quite lazy if we're comfortable we'll stay where we are so if if I don't poke you or you don't get hungry or you don't need the bathroom you're quite happily just sit there in that chair and you could sit in that chair quite happily especially if I put the tv on for you or give you some social media you'll sit there until something provokes you to move the bathroom hunger someone calling you or whatever and so we stagnate I think and it's very easy for us to stagnate and how we can motivate ourselves forward so you can either be poked and then you move to get away from something that is annoying you, or you can be attracted to. So I can be in the other room going, hey, I've got cream cakes. And you go, well, I wouldn't say that to you because, of course, this is food experience. I've got this wonderful smoothie for you. Um, come to me in the kitchen. And then you might come. So it's towards or away from. Okay. So there was a degree of away from in that I wanted to get away from the situation I was in. But the trouble with away from as a motivator is as soon as you are away from it, I could be very lazy again. So if I poke you, poke you, and you get up and you you could move to the seat behind you, you've got away from the poking finger, but you haven't really changed your situation. You're still in the same room. You're still not achieving anything. So while the, the poking got me away from the bad situation, something positive needed to drive me forward. And I think that's the key thing for mindset. And it can work for health, and it can work for money, and it can work for you emotionally. You don't have to wait for the nasty thing, the poking, the irritation. You can choose to pick something that is better than what you've got now and go forward towards that. And you can be living a great life now and still choose something more that you would like in your life. So you can have a wonderful life, great job, great health, lovely family, and then you decide you want a bigger garden. So then you choose to move houses or um you're, you're eating a beautiful diet, but you don't have a lot of organic in there. So then you choose that next step. So you can step up to organic food. You can step up to a bigger house. You don't have to have bad health to choose organic food. You don't have to have no house to choose a house. But for a lot of people, the desire, because we're lazy, to actually do something else doesn't come about until the nasty hits. And so I think that that for me is a is a really interesting personal observation that I can only look back on with hindsight and see, well, hold on a second. You were in that relationship for years. In fact, you knew what he was like, maybe not quite as much, but you knew what he was like before you even got married. And yet you still got married. And then you had one child with him and you knew what he was like and you still stayed and had a second child. And I'm very grateful for my daughters. Totally, totally grateful for my daughters. But 
was I being lazy? It wasn't bad enough to make me move. I thought about it a lot, but I was stuck with that inertia. So I don't, I'd like to say to your audience, don't wait until, sometimes we use this phrase rock bottom, you hear rock bottom, don't wait till something pains you to make change. The really clever thing to do is to observe the pain before it comes and get out of its way. Observe the bad health coming towards you. And we can talk about that as obesity because that's an easy thing. That just, that covers all of the the modern and developed world, the, the effect of obesity. Obesity is around the corner. If you're fit and healthy, there's a fat person out there waiting to get on you, <laughs> to get in you, you know? Just if you're skinny, you're skinny because there's a fat person around and you're just keeping that fat person out of your way. Well done you. Uh, if not, if you're not skinny, you're already that fat person and you need to do something about it. Don't wait till you get all of the health complications. We can deal with it. And it's even more pertinent now, depending on your views, but my views with COVID is that the fitter and the healthier you can be, health-wise, financially absolutely wise, emotionally wise, then the more likely you are going to be to actually ride through or plow through these repeated waves that that I think we're going to get. Mm, interesting. Now, you mentioned, you know, that something motivates you just not getting away from from what's bothering you, but having that having that vision, I guess, yeah. to, to move forward. Did was it was it clear when when you were when you had that first inclination to to move forward or just did it take some some investigation some research into what to do? Yeah, I'll very much leave the second. Um, there was no clear thought because the moment at which I decided to, because I had been the lazy person in that sense, I hadn't got out of the relationship sooner. When the relationship ended, I didn't have a plan. I'd been thinking about it, thinking about it. I'd had the had the sense that, you know, I'm starting to get poked. This is starting to get uncomfortable, but I didn't make that move. I didn't put it into action. And I had the same thing financially too. I was made redundant in 2006. And as part of the final thing that I did in my job, I made the six members of my team redundant. Now you would think that if I'm busy making us all redundant because we're all going to be made redundant, that I was going to be person seven because I had to be last on the list to do the work. How did it still surprise me? How in that whole process of going through making seven people redundant myself as one of them, had I not prepared myself a job to go into? Because we get caught up on other things. So there's no clear plan. There's no clear vision. And I think sometimes if you even say to people in the early stages of something, so what's your vision? What's your three-year vision? That can just terrify it might even terrify some of your listeners. If I, if I ask you, the listener, what's your three-year vision? Some people will be on it. Yeah, right. Okay. I know where I want to be. I know what I'm doing. Great. Because that means you've already moved beyond and you're now on the ladder of moving towards the things that you want to achieve in your life. But if I say that to you and you're going, oh, I don't know, then that means that you, you, know, you haven't either waited long enough to get to the pain point and you don't have to wait or for whatever reason, you don't have that clarity of what you do want life to be like. And you mentioned my books. Um, the orange book here is called The Wealthy Retirement Plan, A Revolutionary Guide to Living the Rest of Your Life in Style. And I think that's a, a great metaphor. Everybody goes to work. We're trained to go to work. We're trained to have debts that we have to pay off by earning wages, to buy things that we don't really need, to eat more food than we really need, etc. So we go through life like this. And then 
Many people aren't happy in their jobs. They're not happy in their jobs for many reasons. The job itself isn't fulfilling. The boss isn't nice. Or it takes them away from the things that are really important to them, maybe their family or their hobbies or their health. But they're not in enough pain that they'll do anything about it. And they'll wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then this thing called retirement magically happens at around 65. And then whether you're ready for it or not, the boss goes, right, okay, I don't need you anymore. Go home. And here, have this tiny pension, if you're lucky. We all know it's coming. You don't have to wait till you're 65. You can create the life that you want today by thinking about it after you've listened to this podcast. Work out how much it's going to cost in order to live that life. Work out how much money you've got, what resources you've got, and then create the money that you need in order to live the life that you want and start doing that tomorrow. You could just do that. And that's the five principles of the Wealthy Retirement Plan. It's clarity. What do you want for the future? Control. Get your financial education sorted. Resources. What have you got or can access that can help you start putting in place the financial plan to live the life you want? Leveraging those resources. And then legacy. That's it. You don't have to wait for retirement. You can start your legacy tomorrow. Mm, I love that. I love how just those little, those little steps, like you were talking about, like with your, um, with your employment being being made redundant. So sometimes it's a surprise, and sometimes, hopefully, at least a little bit, it might be proactive. Would you say, you know, all of you know, you likely have gone uh, over several different challenges with prodding and with moving forward. With um, with some of those, has it been? Have some of them been more proactive than others? When I get a mentor, when I know that I want to do something, I will get a mentor, someone to help me be accountable. And in some cases, I've used um, an external professional mentor, but sometimes I've done the accountability part within my family. So right now, because I, I don't know, it's ridiculous talking to you about this because you're going to have been so fit and healthy for the last few months, but we've been locked in for months and months and months. And we should have been out riding our bikes and walking and everything else. But what we actually did was a massive project on the house because um, we're not yet 12 months in this house. So we fixed all the inside, but we didn't fix the outside. And so we've been digging and planting. And as I said, I've become this lockdown gardener and we've got apple trees and I'm learning about pruning and, you know, combined planting and everything. With my new hips and my new shoulders, I'm marching around the garden, lifting up 75 litre bags of dirt and having a whale of a time. So we have been very physical, but we haven't been getting fit in any sort of planned way. Now, one of the things that we've known all the way along with the virus is that it affects people with more, other morbidity issues and being older. And of course, I have to be blood group A, which apparently isn't a good idea when it's... But luckily, I'm a woman as opposed to a man. So, you know, there's some advantages there. But we could have been doing so much more. We haven't had to go to our jobs. We've had all day. So why haven't we been on this amazing health kick? Why haven't we lost three stone in weight? Why haven't we taken up jogging or anything, you know? We've done other things because that's where our priorities have been. And you can probably tell by my tan <laughs> that I have spent a lot of time outside having, having a great time out in the garden. And I'm definitely fitter than I was. So now... My family doesn't want to join in on a, on a competition, if you like, or a, a race or a, a challenge, to use another word, a challenge to lose a stone in the next month. And I, I want that challenge. And I was speaking to my daughter yesterday, who loves keeping fit. And she said, 
because she's just had our second grandchild, I couldn't oh, lose a stone. Thank you. I couldn't lose a stone in a month. And I said, well, you can set your goal to half a stone if you want. She said, I need the goal to be achievable. I need it to be just beyond my finger reach to know that I, with some effort I could get to it, whereas I'm quite happy to have it as a, an almost impossible goal. As long as I really work for it, whether I reach it or not, I will have put the effort in and I will know that I want that really stretch goal. And she doesn't. So she doesn't want to play with me on losing weight and getting fit. So I'll do it myself. I'll compete with her even if she's not competing with me. And I, that competitiveness is something that I can use, competitiveness or accountability. I can use that even within our family groups through a family WhatsApp or whatever else. So she might not tell me what she's done, but I am going to post on that family WhatsApp group how many minutes I've been on that bike riding it, what I've done as my physical exercise that day, either lifting bags of dirt or going for a walk. And I can do that myself. And whether I've eaten healthily that day, so no carbs today or, you know, mostly veg today or whatever it is. And I can I can do it with myself sometimes and I can do the health with myself because I've read the books. And if I don't know something, I can Google it. But there are times in your life, maybe particularly with finances, because we're not taught, not that we're taught about health in school, really, but we're not taught about finances and financial intelligence is so important that sometimes you have to go outside and find someone who has that knowledge. And in your case, you're offering the health side of things. So for people who don't already know what they should be doing with their health, then they can be coming to you and listening to your podcasts and reading your materials because you've got the source of the knowledge. And if they need the financial side, I've got the source of the knowledge. And then if I need something else in my life, then I will seek out that knowledge. And if I can't find it for myself online, I will find someone who knows or who has done it to be the person to guide me through and then hold me accountable to my goals. I love that. So, so accountability to, to someone, to yourself at least, if not someone else, that do you feel that that has really driven you in a variety of different goals over the years? I definitely think it works for me. And that's in part because I am competitive. Mm-hmm. So you know, if, you, if you're not competitive, then being held accountable to things. So if I said to you, um, okay, I need you to do 10 push-ups a day, and actually you don't really care about your health, which I know is not true for you, and you don't really care if I do 10 and you don't do 10, then, then that doesn't work. So that's why this aligning has to take place. And I think one of the things that's probably come out of this whole virus situation that we've had, and I, I don't know quite how it's been for you. You said Minnesota, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So I don't quite know how it's been for you in Minnesota, but we literally here in the UK, we did the whole locked indoors. That was it. Unless you're a key worker, essential worker, you weren't allowed out. Um, It gave us that moment because for quite a lot of people, not everybody, there was the government money to support you. It gave us that moment where there was just enough money coming in to pay all your bills, but you weren't having to leave the house for the nine to five work and you weren't having to do all that traveling either side. So all of a sudden you got between seven and nine hours a day. Yes, you might have had children that you were trying to homeschool and work out what a, an equation was or something like that. I mean, some of the homework questions have been extraordinary, but you had that extra time and somewhere in there, people have been going, do you know what? Actually working with my child and sitting down and doing their homework with them, which wasn't something that I did, my partner might have done, but I didn't do because I was always working. I can now see how brilliant my daughter is at maths and how good my son is at at reading. But actually, my son 
really loves science and I want to get him in a science tutor or some science books and and my daughter maybe isn't so good at spelling I want to get her spelling help and you can start to see things and for me because my children are uh, older and off living their own lives our health and the whole garden situation and creating this vegetable garden so that we could eat fresh vegetables became our priority what's important to you and once you know what's important to you why wouldn't you want to live a life based on your values what you value and if if you know what you value and quite frankly only you can work out what you value only you can work out what's important to you if you work out what's important to you what you value in your life why would you not want to create a life for yourself that shone a light on those things shone a light on your family shone a light on your health shone a light on working with your community giving back Um, it can even shine a light on your job I mean your job is health related and obviously health is important to you so it could shine a light on you growing your business that's also okay but know what's important to you and build your life around it and I would tell you this it's not money money enables you to do other things Mm, interesting yeah it's just that shift of and and you asked me to sort of tell my story all of this is with hindsight you know if we actually went through the chronological story of this happened then that happened then this happened then that happened the lessons aren't there they're the they're the stepping stones the lesson occurs as you step from one stone to the other okay so so where are you which stepping stone are you the listener on and what stepping stone do you want to move on to? And what is in that gap? What's the piece of learning that's going to help you get from one step to the other? And then when you look back at this period, this time next summer, you look back at 2020 and you go, oh, my goodness. Yeah, the front half was a bit weird, a bit of a surprise. And round about the middle, I started, I listened to this podcast with Michelle and Vicky. And I thought to myself, you know what? Yes. I want to work out what's important to me and look at my life now. And you don't have to do it in 20 years. You could do it in 20 days if you chose to turn your life around. You could do it in the next 20 minutes if you wanted to. So for your health, you could just decide to eat healthily now. Bam, you've done it in 20 seconds. It's just a choice, isn't it? But the choice has to be on what's important to you. Absolutely. I love that. So you're deciding what's important to you, what you value, and then is it a combination of that and then you've got the, this prodding, whatever it is, and then you also have your vision or at least a little bit of a uh, direction of moving forward. Is it really a combination of those three things? Well, I think it probably is different for everyone. I think for some people, they can't even decide what's important to them until they're in the pain point. And it's mm-hmm. only when they're in the the pain getting prodded or you know at the depths of whatever health or finances that they are stirred enough to think actually I'm going to do something about it for other people they'll already be way past that and they might even have not noticed the pain point they got to just skip straight over that and just read a book listen to a podcast met someone there might be one spark of inspiration that just took them on a journey so instead of having to go all the way down they didn't go all the way down they they were just traveling along quite nicely on their road and decided to go up or to the left or to the right it it doesn't matter and then once you have that impetus there has to be an impetus whether it's towards or away from it doesn't really matter whatever that impetus is 
then something's got to drive you forward. There's got to be that towards, I feel, for it to be long-lasting, to be life-changing, to be successful. Because if you're only getting away from the pain, you're only getting away from me prodding you, that prodding won't last long enough. The, the longer that I, uh, or the longer, the, the bigger the distance between me and you prodding, the further away you get, the less the prod. It's like if you put your hand somewhere hot, you know, when you're close to the fire, it's burning you. When you take your hand away from the fire, it stops burning you. Unless you make a change, you'll just put your hand back in that fire again. And that's why we see so many people creating the same health mistakes again, the same relationship mistakes again, the same employment, you know, um, working relationship mistakes, financial mistakes. People repeatedly will make the same financial mistakes. And that's because every time they get away from the last disaster, health, financial, emotional, whatever, they just fall straight back into it because they're missing that thing that pulls them forward. So you've got to have what's important to you in front of you as a magnet to pull you forward and to keep pulling you forward. Mm, uh, you know, I, love and I've, that. I think that's just a reflection, a hindsight view of what's happened. It's not what I knew in the moment. And I think sometimes things happen to us that we don't have the language to understand. So I know something's hurting. I know I want something different. I can't say to you, Michelle, can you help me? I'm in pain of some form, emotional, financial, physical. I can't articulate that to you because I don't have the language. I know I want something different, but I don't know what it is because I don't have the language for that. So we often can find ourselves in a period where the language isn't there. And that's when you've got to trust your instincts. That's when you've got to just Google, Google. You know, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just need to keep, I feel like this. I think that. Uh, I am seeing this. What is it? Can you put in there something and then find a better word and then use that better word? And you don't know what you want to do on a, a health basis, but you know that you should do something. So you don't know about organic food or you don't know about what to put together to make a, a beautiful smoothie or you don't know which vegetables provide the right vitamins. But you do know that eating a, a Mars bar or a Snickers or a, you know, a, a takeaway burger is, is not a good idea. You know that instinctively. You can make that choice even if you don't have the language to explain everything else. And financially, you know spending more than you have, even if you're not sure how much you have, if you know that you keep spending and you're in debt, then you know that you have to stop that. You might not have all of the language that I would use with you under the the second principle, which is about financial education and financial control, I talk to you about income and expenses and assets and liabilities and debt and interest. And you might not have all of that language and you might not be able to formulate the question, but you do know instinctively spending more than you've got when you're in debt is not a good idea, even without the language. So trust your instinct and stop spending on things that aren't important. And again, I know that's an easy thing to say, but there is no excuse for us as intelligent articulate beings not to be able to a find the help or change our lives if we're not happy because only us can make us happy only only I can make me happy I might have a lovely conversation with you but you can't make me happy only I can allow myself to be happy in the process of this conversation so it my life is down to me to to do but sure. people are there to help Absolutely. I love that. That I love your your story of just moving forward. And do you have some success stories or examples of how people you kind of related a little bit with the, with the early years of moving forward with your 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 relationship, your finance, but in terms of 
examples of that, you know, that impetus and how people have moved forward um, financially or, or other aspects of their health? Um, I think one of the, the probably the easiest financial examples was I was working with a couple of clients or a client that were a couple. And one of the first things that we do as part of these five steps. So for your listeners, if you go along to my website and we'll give you all the details later, you can take an online assessment that marks you against these five principles. So one of the first principles is about clarity. And these clients had some degree of clarity in that they knew that they wanted more, which is why they got in touch. So that bit was, yeah, okay, we've got that part. Then control is the finances. So we don't know all the details of what you want your life to be like. We have a bit of an idea. And it's sort of you go round the circle, round the circle, round the circle, and finally you get all the jigsaw pieces together. So we've got a vague idea that you want to change your life. We don't know exactly how. And therefore, we don't know exactly how much it's going to cost. So let's start with what we do know. What is your life like now and how much does this cost? So how much do you owe on your mortgage or how much do you owe on your rent? How much money comes in? How much money do you have in debt, in loans, in credit cards, in car finance or phone finance or any sort of finance? And then lay all of that out. And working with these clients, they knew that they needed to pay down the debt. But what they didn't understand, and I don't know if you have them in the States, but we have credit cards that you can take out where they say they're charging you no interest on any spending. So with a credit card, normally you buy things on the credit card. It costs you interest if you don't clear it off when that statement comes through. If you clear it off when the statement comes through, it costs you nothing because that's the way you should use the card. Buy something, clear the card. Buy something, clear the card. But we get caught up in the marketing because the marketeers are so clever and we buy more than we can afford and then the bill comes in and we can't clear it and the remaining debt on the credit card then costs you maybe 20% interest. So we have things called 0% credit cards and this is 0% interest credit cards where you can transfer your debt onto this credit card or buy onto this credit card, accumulated debt on the card and it costs you no interest uh, for say 12 months or maybe 18 months, whatever your card is. But that's not true because they charge you an admin fee. And if they charge you an admin fee, and I'm going to make the maths nice now, of 6% a year, then that money didn't cost you nothing. That money cost you the admin fee. And if the card only allows you to have this debt for a year, then that money cost you 6%. If the card allows you to have carry the debt before you have to clear it off, like a loan, it's an unsecured loan, for 18 months, then the debt only costs you 4% per year as an average spending out. So these people had a 0% credit card. They'd paid the initial fee up front so that they had paid some interest towards it. They also had a regular loan and they also had money on a credit card where they weren't clearing it. And they didn't understand which money was more expensive. They didn't understand which money was the right money to be paying down first. And so just sitting everything out on a table and going with them and going, right, okay, well, this money is costing you this percentage a year, a month, and this money is costing you this percent a month, and this is costing you this a month. They thought that they needed to pay off the 0% card first because that was the shortest date. Whereas in actual fact, if they focused on paying down the most expensive money, they could save money on that interest and then pile of that on to the second debt and pay that down and then pile the two payments onto the third debt and reduce them all in the period. And I've done that so many times with people just as a simple piece of maths. You know, when we're taught maths at school, you're taught 
even things like causes and signs and silly things we never think that we're ever going to understand why two x's plus three y's equal four z's you know nonsense in some senses in the maths to ordinary people we don't apply money and maths together in the same sentence so that you can understand how much debt costs you you know, so just learning those sorts of things and the, the clarity that people get from a simple exercise. And it's one of the exercises I tell you. So when you do your audit, you get a personal report. You don't have a strong control score. Then in there, I will be suggesting to you that you write down all the money you spend. You write down all the money you have coming in and get yourself to a point, And I call it a personal financial equilibrium. That point where at the very least the only amount of money you spend is the amount of money that comes in. You're not allowed to spend more money than you have coming in. You are allowed to have more money coming in than you spend. And that's where you want to get to. But you must get to this point first and then move up so that you have more money than you have expenses. So that then you can start to create these financial buffers. Then you can move on and look at investments. Um, and when you do this, when you control money, the impact on your health is enormous. So again, the number of people that I'll speak to, because apart from doing property sourcing, which is one side of my business, business mentoring, is actually having one-off conversations with people, helping get them financially straight. If you like giving them the financial maths lessons, the maths teachers never taught them, the relief when they feel more in control of their money. And I'm sure you must get that when you speak to people about their health. They come to you with health challenges and you speak to them about, how easy easy it is to get their health better, the relief immediately that must come on them is enormous. And, you know, that's that's worth a fortune to just have your stress go because now you can see, now you know what to do, now you've got a plan. Someone's helped you get over that gap and onto that next step. And that might be all the momentum that you need to then go on to the next two, three steps on your own. Mm. And then you might hit another challenge through a lack of knowledge or it could be through a lack of magnetism towards a bigger goal and you need the help of someone to come in again, you know? Sure, absolutely. So you basically kind of, in when people start moving forward, they just kind of okay, lay everything out, what's my situation, and then try to put together with, with your help, with my help, with other accountability people um, to really just kind of put together a plan of here, here's how we're going to move forward and help people to see that vision. Is that, yeah. is that what you're Again, doing? Again, because you're using the word vision and I understand why you're using it and that works for us. I think sometimes still the word vision is scary for other people. It's just a way to get out of where they are now. That plan can be the thing to help them move away from the pain, but it can equally be the thing that helps them move towards their vision. So however they are, but you're absolutely right. I speak with clients and one of the first things I say is, look, I want to ask some questions so that I can get to know you. If you don't ask the questions, then you just say so. But I'm right in there getting dirty with, right, how much do you earn? How much debt are you in? How much are you paying on this? How much have you got on credit cards? How much have you got on loans? And because if we can't have that honest conversation, then how can I say to you, right, now look at the maths of it. So I'm not a financial advisor in the terms of, you know, we have the, the um, financial conduct authority. I'm not qualified and rubber stamped like that. I feel like I'm a financial maths teacher. You know, get your Excel spreadsheet out or get out a piece of paper and pen and paper and calculator and, and just add it up by hand if you don't want to use Excel. But 
get back in control of your finances. And I'm sure you're doing the same thing. You'll be saying to me, right, Vicky, well, there's no point us talking about your health and a, a new eating plan if you don't tell me what you're eating now. And there's no point me missing out a Snickers bar or a, or a McDonald's takeaway if that's the truth. Because how can you, if I say to you, I'm, uh, yes, yes, I'm following your plan, Michelle, but I'm not mentioning the fact that I'm having a Snickers bar every day. And then you're looking and going, why aren't I getting the results? So the same thing for me, if I say to you, Michelle, what are you spending money on? And you're not telling me about your shoe fetish and how you're busy buying shoes every day. um, Then I won't know, I won't be able to make sense and won't be able to help you work out why. So maybe there's an element of truth in this, this being prepared to be vulnerable maybe that's what it's not being vulnerable because in in some senses if you're in a difficult situation you're already vulnerable so if your health is bad you're vulnerable if your finances are bad you're vulnerable but being prepared to be vulnerable in order to learn being open that vulnerability in the sense of openness i'm prepared to be honest i'm prepared to be open because this thing is important to me and I have come to you because having Googled everything, I recognize that you're someone that can help me make that next step to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And, and whether that's a, a financial, a wealthy life in terms of finances or a wealthy life in terms of health, you know, Google it if you can, read my books, read materials, listen to podcasts. But if you're not making progress, then go to the source and say, help me, please. Absolutely. I love that. I love how just really, really getting, getting to coming to terms, if you will, Mm. with your situation and what you want to do moving forward. That's so, so key. Absolutely. Now you mentioned, you know, we were talking about prodding, about accountability, about moving forward. Are you still seeing those things in your life today? The prodding? Yes, but they move to different places. So sometimes you can have a prod financially, sometimes you can be prodded in your business, sometimes you can be prodded in your relationship. Um, what we've had, obviously, uh, like the entire planet, has been a health prod. So um, this lesson from Mother Nature uh, is, a, is a gift and an opportunity for us to make a difference in our lives. So uh, again, Mother Nature has been very kind and given us this time for us to help uh, recognize our own priorities our own values uh, uh, the things that are important to us and now with the aid of google and podcasts and books and everything else we can do the research to find out how to start moving forward but this is this is a real a real massive planetary prod Um, and i think when we first locked down which was towards the end of march and through march and april i was so excited for us as a planet as a race because you could hear people starting to question things but not question things in the negative way but question things in terms of gosh I've got all of this time I want to look at my health and I want to exercise I want to eat better Uh, so many people like if you could take an aerial photoshop of where I live everyone has got vegetables you know so I had a sale in the garden the front garden and then gave away loads of the extra plants I I planted 65 tomato plants I mean who needs 65 tomato plants and so you know then gave them to neighbors and the herbs went crazy and gave these to people and so everybody around now I'm getting tomato plants I can't give them away because I know that they've already got the tomato plants that I gave them and now what am I going to do with tomatoes so I then started looking at broccoli for example 
And we get in the supermarket the broccoli flour, but you can eat the broccoli leaves as a cabbage and you can eat the broccoli stalk as if it was um, sort of like a water chestnut or bamboo or something like that that you might put in your stir fries. It's got a an almost very sweet carrot, not carrot flavor, but carrot texture to it. So I've had my first crop of broccoli. I've Googled, because you can, Googled it, can you eat broccoli leaves? And then I've cut the broccoli, blanched it, frozen it, but I've also cut, chopped, blanched and frozen all the leaves and cut, blanched and frozen all the stalks. And now I'm on my second crop. Um, you can't eat tomato leaves, but you can eat carrot leaves. We don't get these things in the supermarket. Everything is sanitized for us. But actually, we're losing so much of the nutrients that are there. Uh, lettuces are beautiful. You could plant lettuces in your flower bed. We get a lettuce and it's like in this tight ball or in this, you know, cos shape. And that's what we get. But actually, lettuces, if you allow them, grow up into these beautiful trees, almost little little trees. And you can just take off a couple of leaves at a time as you need them. Well, if you've got just a little bit of space, even if you've just got a, a vegetable, you know, a, um, a window box or even something you can have on your windowsill, you could plant a lettuce leaf and have fresh lettuce every day that you wanted it just by plick, picking off a couple of leaves at a time. You know, so there's so many gifts that have come out of this. Focus on our health, focus on our communities, the connections that we've had, the clapping that we've done to support our, our workers. And, and I felt we were going to have a brave new world come out the other end of it. Um, and then my daughter pointed out that a Brave New World is actually um, a movie and a book. And it's actually about uh, um, a society that is controlled in the future. So <laughs> maybe maybe that is what we have is a controlled future from those on high, as opposed to I really saw us having a groundswell of coming together first in our families, then in our neighborhoods, then in our villages and cities and wider communities and really really changing things and uh, you know lockdown's only been a month and we're back to the same old ways of writing and arguing and you know there was no murders and death kill on the news and now it's all back again and it's yeah I, I want us to keep the lessons hold on to the things that a month ago or two months ago you thought was important hold on to that that's that was such a precious gift you were given hold on to it and work out how you can make that your life I love that. I love your focus on focusing on the positive, focusing on what things that you can do, you know, with regard to your, your finances, with regard to your garden. Vicki, how can people get in contact with you? Well, the easy thing is if you can spell my name. So um, I don't know if it, I put my mouse on there. Oh, no, maybe it'll it'll come in due course. But if you can spell my name, there you go. Vicki Wushe, V-I-C-K-I-W-U-S-C-H-E. And then basically look for me. So on Facebook, I'm very ordinary Vicky. On LinkedIn, I try and be a bit more business Vicky. Uh, but there's a website, vickywashay.com. And if you want to take the online audit, it's completely free. Uh, you just put in your email address and then it will send you back a report. And that's at vickywashay.com forward slash scorecard, all one word. Um, and you'll get your personalized report. And then if you don't want the emails anymore, simply unsubscribe. Don't say that I was spam. Just unsubscribe me. That's perfectly okay. But in those reports, um, whether it's the one about your finances and your future, the wealthy retirement plan, or whether it's about your business and soon there's one to be for property, um, there are action steps that you can take based on your score. You can identify your you're given the action steps 
that you need to focus on. So you can look at your score and go, okay, I got 70, 70, 30, 70, 70. Well, then hone in on the one that you only scored 30 on and, and, and focus on that right now. And then maybe retake the score again later and then work out where you've improved because you can just go around the circle again and, and create the life you want. That's all through your health, through your finances and through your your emotional being. Um, and then maybe when we've sorted ourselves out, what we'll turn around and find is that there are other people that have the same values as us and we'll form communities around that. And it might take a little bit longer than just two, three months of lockdown. Maybe it'll take a year or so, but maybe we will get those communities coming together around what's important and be positive rather than negative about all of this. Sure, absolutely. Vicki, it's been a pleasure. I really have enjoyed our conversation. I love the connection between the health and wealth and financial security and being able to have financial freedom in terms of, of doing what you want from a health perspective, from other areas. So Vicki, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me, Michelle. 